This is the Sideline Slice, presented by Valentino's Pizza, the official pizza of the Huskers. Here's your host, Jessica Cootie, and Huskers Radio Network analyst, Jeremiah Searles. Well, welcome into a Sideline Slice, another edition presented by Valentino's Pizza. I'm Jessica Cootie, and Jeremiah, Jeremiah Searles, we have a win to talk about today. Finally. Oh, my gosh. This is so much more fun to do when we win, right? You're not sitting here looking, at, oh, was that the play? Was this the play? You know, I thought it was a great performance all around. Memorial Stadium looked like it was buzzing like crazy. I was down there doing a tailgate thing. Um, so it was a lot of fun just to be back downtown a little bit. I, I still have yet to come to a game, so I still have to get to my first game this year. I just – I thought – the energy and the confidence and the swagger that this team came out with was just completely different, especially starting with the defense. I mean, and I said this multiple times on the broadcast, it was just the demeanor was completely different from the defense on the sidelines this week. I mean, that's what you have to have coming off a of bye week, regardless of all the changes, regardless of new coaches, this, that, and the other thing. Like, if you get a full week off, to regroup and then come back, you have to come out with your hair on fire like that. Like, that's just a, a must. And so seeing the way they started the game was fantastic. You know, you come out, Isaac Gifford has two huge plays to get tackles for a loss. You force one upon, you go down, you score. Like, you couldn't script the beginning part of this game any better. And, yeah, a lot of that has to do with energy. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that our crowd showed up in a big way and was pumping that defense and making that defense really believe. And as a defender, I know that you play better when the crowd's behind you. So, I mean, that obviously played a role. And then a two-play two touch, uh, two touchdown drive to open the game, like, yeah. that was just outstanding. So, yeah, the, the energy level was better. The execution level was better. Like, everything was better in this game. The one negative thing, I'm going to get it out of the way right now, the penalties got to end. Yeah. The penalties have to stop. And now, granted, that might, the officiating was questionable. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you have to play cleaner football to win in this league because you're not going to have team like Indiana also had issues with penalties. Like, the good teams in this league, the Ohio States, the Wisconsins, all those teams, they don't shoot themselves in the foot, and that can really be the difference maker. So that was the one glaring negative, and I wanted to get out of the way at the beginning so we can talk about all the fun stuff. But you got to clean up those penalties, and you just got to play smarter football in that respect. Listen, Greg said that a couple times in the broadcast, that that crew penalizes teams more on average than any other crew in the Big Ten. Oh, they love to hear their names called. That's for sure. <laughs> Those Big Ten refs are signing autographs at the end because more people knew their names than the other teams. So, yeah, they had, some, they had some laundry that they had to get picked up. But, you know, overall, like, we were able to overcome some big penalties. Um, some big penalties helped us in the game. So it wasn't like it was just one-sided, but still, too many penalties. Well, we're going to get into a lot of different things, but obviously the video that goes viral after the game, how cool was that to see Trev Alberts handing the game ball to Mickey Joseph and the way the team reacted. I mean, it was just a special moment. It was cool, too. Trev came down there at the end of the game and was like, you know, fist bumping the, the black shirts. And, and it just, it was a much needed win for the program. But then to see the way that the team reacted to Mickey getting his first game ball, his first winning game ball, it was really special. Oh, my gosh. Anytime <laughs> you can just get that first win, right? I mean, you really have to count this as the beginning of a new season. Right? I mean, the beginning of a new season, new head coach, new def defensive coordinator, all this stuff. You had new players playing in different spots. And, I mean, you basically count this as a week one win. And that's a great thing to start. And seeing the excitement and seeing how much the kids really believed in Mickey and how much Mickey fought for the kids and all of that, it just came to such a fruition and such a great moment there in the locker room at the end of the game. And, and you could tell Trev was fired up. And you got to build off that. You know, momentum is huge in this league. And so – you have to find a way to channel all that energy. And, I mean, when you win a football game, there is no more infectious high. 
Like, you will chase that high because there's nothing like winning, whether it's college, whether it's the NFL. Like, nothing beats winning a football game. And so there hasn't been a lot of that in this recent five years. Let's be real, especially conference wins. You get a big conference win at home, night game, you got to find ways to channel that energy and build it and so it can propel you through the week to practice and into the next game. So sticking with the theme of game balls, I thought it'd be fun if you were giving out game balls, who would you hand yours out to after last week's performance? You know, so I'm going to give out three. I'm going to give out okay. three game balls, right. offense, defense, special teams. The number one, Bushimi's got to get one. Bushini, I mean, yeah. Bushini, he was nails on Saturday night. I mean, yeah. he had some nice long punts. He had some really good precision punts. Overall, I mean, dude could be quote-unquote MVP of the entire game, in my opinion, wow. which is, gosh, you talk about such a drastic thing. I don't think I could have said that once last year without people yelling at me like crazy. Or like, the punter is the winner. You know, but like having a weapon like that is so important in the Big Ten. You're seeing it every single week, right? I mean, without the punter at Iowa, I was defeated. But because their punter's so good and pin him and make the defense, like that's such a huge weapon. So it's so great to have him. You know, on offense, um, I got, I'm going to give it to him. People are probably going to go, who? But I'm going to give it to Hunter Anthony. Yeah. You know, Bryce Benhart, he got benched after the safety, which it's hard to tell if it was the back or Benhart's fault on tape as who, but it was a blown protection, right? And so, you know, Benhart struggled through this first part of the year. Um, so, you know, Hunter Anthony got an opportunity, which we saw a lot of guys, a lot of new players get, and I thought he came in and played very well. You know, I thought he was solid in protection. I thought he moved some good guys in the run game. So, you know, talk about a guy that's making the most out of his opportunities and came in and helped this team win. So, you know, that's a position that we need to be better at, and I think that he would play it a little bit better than Ben Hart in that game. So be curious to see who gets brought out at right tackle next week. And then on defense, co-game balls. So technically I'm giving out four, but whatever. <laughs> um, co-game balls to that linebacking core. You know, Nick Henrich, Luke Reimer, those two guys played outstanding football. I mean, Reimer obviously had the interceptions and the tackles, but, I mean, you could tell – there's a difference when those two guys are playing at a high level. You know, Hendricks got back last week against Oklahoma, still kind of getting himself back into the groove of things. And this week you could tell those two were back to fighting form. And when you have those two linebackers that can blitz and cover passes and stuff the run game and do all the things that they're playing fast and free and physical, they're a really good tandem linebacking duo. So those two guys get my game balls there. And, I mean, there's so many guys that played. I mean, Malcolm Hartsog's a guy that got freshman one of the week this week. I mean, so many guys rose to the level of occasion and rose up and just really showed out on Saturday night that it was really fun to sit and watch and, and see young players taking steps and seeing old players contribute. And it was just such a fun game to sit in my garage and be like, man, this is what it's supposed to be like to watch Husker football. Yeah, hey, you had mentioned Luke and Nick. And Nick, uh, I, I interviewed Luke after the game, and he brought up something about you know playing next to Nick and how it's just – it's easy and it's natural because, I mean, think about how much football they've played together and alongside each other. And so you could probably speak to that of playing next to guys on the line that you just know without talking to them what the moves are going to be and how they need to approach certain situations. I mean, that's huge to get those two guys back playing together again. And, and again, Nick coming off the injury, he definitely seemed like he was in more of a groove as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. That's a great point, you know. I played next to Spencer Long my junior and senior year, and he was one of my best friends. And it got to the point where it was an unspoken connection. Mm -hmm. Like, you two would break the huddle, and you just knew what the other person was thinking. There was no reason to get up there and be like, hey, we're going to double team from this guy to that guy and point out, you know, it was just an unspoken thing because you had so much trust in the guy next to you that, like, if something changed, you knew it was a one-word fix. 
And when you're playing against a tempo team, especially like Indiana, you know, there's not a ton of time to be making checks or making sure you both are on the same page or doing all that. You know, you have to just be up there ready to go and have full trust. And I think it allows both those guys to play a lot faster. It allows both those guys to play much freer. You know, nothing against Ernest Hausman. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be a great player, but he's still a freshman. You have to make sure assignment-wise he's in the right spot, not worrying about physically of like, hey, this is what you got to do physically. Just, hey, assignment-wise, this is the assignment. Make sure you don't you know you're in the right spot there isn't that with Nick and Luke you know those two guys have that unspoken connection they know what the other two's doing and it'll you shot you saw it on Saturday night you know those two are flying around making big plays and that's how you that's how you have negative plays and all that stuff when you have a linebacking duo that just runs like crazy sideline to sideline and when they don't have to communicate with each other as much they can spend that time communicating with the back end with the line all of that that they're seeing because obviously they're the ones making a lot of the calls for the defense and speaking of that you had brought up a point last week going into the game about you'd like to see them play more free this team play more free and I had again spoke to a lot of the defensive players after the game and they had just talked about how they simplified things on the defense what did you see in that regard in simplifying some of the things that they did on defense that allowed for them to run around and play more free yeah you know when you're playing against a, a tempo team it's really hard to be complicated you know, if you're going to try and be complicated and get checks and blitz checks in and stuff, you know, you're going to get caught. And, you know, overall, I thought that what I saw from this defense was not as much as free, but just the speed at which mm -hmm. they played. You know, and that can go hand in hand with their trusting more of the scheme that they have or, you know, they're just more comfortable with whatever the game plan was. Now, having two weeks to prepare does help with that. You know, it gives you a little extra time to really hone in on the game plan. But just the speed of which they executed things. And, I mean, the other big thing is they got to the quarterback. You know, Garrett Nelson had a, finally had a couple pair of sacks. And I'm looking at the stat sheet here. You had, you had a sack by Ty Robinson, two sacks by Garrett Nelson. I mean, we haven't had a multi-sack game like that yet this year. You know, so getting those type of sacks in there and getting those guys going is confidence. You know, because sacks kind of are like hitting percentages where baseball, like, once one guy starts kind of getting after it and getting into it and sacks, everyone wants to get involved in that party a little bit. So I'm hoping they can build off of that. But just the speed at which they played is something that's infectious. And you can win a lot of games with just fast defense and high effort. You always say that you always watch up front, offense line, defensive line. And that's been two position groups we've talked a lot about needing to improve and be better. And I thought the defensive line rose to the occasion, specifically Ty Robinson. He seemed like a guy that came out, played with his hair on fire, or lack of he's bald, so no hair on fire. But <laughs> he, um, you know, was getting complimented a lot. The, the staff, a lot of times after the defense would come off the field, would come and say, you know, compliment Ty Robinson for the work he did. So in that regard, did you see a big improvement in the defensive line as well? You know, yeah, I think Ty Robinson had his best game of the year, and that was the tie I was expecting to see all year, you know, and so I hope that seeing his physicality, he made an impact in the pass rushing game, like he was great in the run game, you know, he was probably one of our highest graded out D linemen, if I had to guess, and you have to have guys like that, because with the chaos that has been, especially the Husker defense this year, you know, guys are always looking at who do I, who do I look to, who's the leader, and how do I help with that? And, like, obviously you have the Garrett Nelsons and those guys, but it's the guys that consistently do it on Saturdays that really get looked to the most. And when Ty has a performance like he did on Saturday, a lot of young players are going to look to him this week as to how does he go about his week in practice? How does he prepare? How did he, how did he come to that end result that was Saturday? And that's really important for a culture. That's really important for a, a D-line room. That's really important for an entire team that you have players that are contributing in a big way on Saturdays 
do it the right way during the week so that you start teaching the young guys how to do it. But I was really impressed with Ty and how he played. All right, and then the players that you had to watch for this game were the cornerbacks. And, um, you know, I, Tommy Hill, I'm not sure how many snaps he needed to play in, but Malcolm Hartsaw comes in, the true freshman, and, and plays really well. You mentioned he's the Big Ten freshman of the, of the week. And then, um, you know, Quentin Newsom as well. So uh, how did you like the way that those guys came out and played? You know, I, I liked the way they came out and played. Quentin Newsom's got to clean up his hands a little bit. You know, a little too grabby there. He had a couple holds, a couple pass interferences. And, you know, those are drive extenders um, where you have a chance to get off the field and you don't. But, you know, I think that overall he's gotten a lot better this year. His tackling's gotten better. He's willing to come up and hit people. So, you know, I thought that Malcolm Hartsock, too, played a great game, mostly because they never really called his name. You know, if you never really call Malcolm Hartsock's name, that means he's not getting beat much. You know, so I thought that he came out and handled his business really well for a freshman in a big environment against a team that wants to throw it all over the yard. I mean, holding that team to just 223 yards passing is really, really good. So, you know, especially we've been giving up four or 500 yards a game. So it was really good to see them come out. And those are two corners that really the they're young still. I and mean, they have a lot of eligibility left, obviously. So if they can get some really good playing experience going through here, you're looking to start solidifying that back end for years to come. And how about under 100 yards rushing? That's always a good day too, right? Huge. Huge. I mean, especially, I mean, we've been leaking like a sieve up front. It's no <laughs> secret. I mean, there's been holes everywhere. And so to see that we've played much more lane assignment, much more technique driven, much more gap integrity sound, like that's what really plugs up the run game. And then getting pushed. You know, I thought we lived on their side of the line of scrimmage a lot more, establishing a new line of scrimmage on their side instead of on our side. And that's how you stop a run game, by not letting backs get going and hitting creases. So Overall, best defensive performance of the year by far. You know, new faces, new players, new opportunities. Now it's just a matter of on the short week being able to get that momentum because you don't have two weeks to prepare anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't have the extra five weeks. In fact, you got one day less. So now you got to make sure you prepare the same way that you did for this game, just in a shorter time frame. All right, let's talk offense now. And I, I got to give myself kudos because we had talked about Trey Palmer and the wide receivers, and I thought this could be a game that he really turned loose. And he had 157 yards, the long touchdown pass uh, from Casey Thompson, 71-yarder. Oliver Martin got involved. Uh, a couple of guys were uh, banged up, so didn't play. But, you know, I, outside of the couple of the drives, and Casey had some issues there that they had um, – Benched him, and then Chuba comes in. But uh, overall, I mean, Trey Palmer was absolutely a, a highlight of, of this game as well. Absolutely. You're talking about eight catches, 157, averaging almost 20 yards a catch. I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> you kidding me? Please, more of that. And you're starting to see him emerge as the special player that he is. You know, you're starting to see him and Casey really start to develop that bond that every great quarterback and great receiver has, right? Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And you talk about... Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, or you talk about um, C.J. Stroud and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson last year. You know, those are the type of names that you develop a special bond with those receivers where sometimes it might not be perfect and it might not be a great route, but you're like, no, I have trust in that guy to go win that 50-50 bowl. And, you know, I saw him go up and do a lot of that. Now, I'm going to say this, plug vocal like a little bit more. You know, I think that he's a guy that you can really start getting him involved in that passing game like he was against Northwestern. And, again, that's just him getting himself back in, him, Casey, reestablishing that dynamic too. 
you start getting him over the middle and getting him some shots too, it's just going to keep opening up the things on the edges for these wideouts that are such a talented and special group. So, um, you know, there's a lot made of, of Casey Thompson and, um, you know, he ends up, Chuba comes in and, and I was down there, heard a little bit of it, and I had uh, reported on the broadcast as well that both Mark Whipple and Mickey Joseph not happy with uh, Casey. And a lot of it was that, um, you know, he took a couple of sacks that, um, they thought that probably he could have thrown down the field and given his wide receivers a chance to make a play. So, and Casey handled it well. And, you know, I even talked with his dad after and, and his dad was joking that, you know, that that would not be, that was definitely not his first uh, butt chewing that he took in his life. And I know a lot of people were making a big deal about it, but Casey's a guy that he can handle it. He can respond. And, and he did. He came out and responded from that. Yeah, and I mean, I think it goes to show what Mickey Joseph's all about. You know, it's all about there's no favorites here. There's no, if you're not playing well, we're going to find someone else that is. And he showed that plenty in this game. You know, I mean, I talk about my game ball guy, Hunter Anthony. Bryce Benhart was not playing well. He put someone else in. And you saw more guys getting more opportunities. And, and that's just going to keep going through. But I, I love the way that Casey responded. You know, a lot of guys in today's era of college football can throw their helmets and unbutton the strim the chin straps all violently and pout and do their thing and he did none of that you know in fact he came back in and led his team to a victory so that speaks volumes to who he is as a player who he is as a leader and you know that's just something that I love to see I was very curious when it happened like okay how's he gonna respond but he handled it great and you know a lot of young players are gonna see that too we talk about looking at Ty Robinson I mean there's been a lot of young players that watch him that watched him on the sideline like, wow, this is our starting quarterback. He got benched. How's he going to respond? And how he responded speaks volumes to what the culture needs to be in this program. Everyone needs to respond like that. None of this, oh, coach is screwing me or I'm getting screwed by this, that, or the other thing. No, I'm not playing well. I got coached hard on it. I know I got to have thick skin, make the corrections, and go back out and be a contributor again. Valentino's has been a Nebraska tradition since 1957. Get the big red double jumbo deal. Two one-topping jumbo pizzas for only $18.29 each. Okay, so let's talk the offensive line. And first of all, with, with Turner Corcoran and, and we've Turner. been saying that we've been saying that from the start that hey, this offensive line, it, it could be a little scary if we start losing bodies. And so you're already got Turner in a spot that you already lost somebody, and then you see him go out and it was shown on TV that Mickey gave him an earful, and Mickey had talked about that he was going to talk with Turner about that. So, first of all, I guess did you think – I don't think the first one should have been a penalty, but uh, well, just what was your takeaway as, as the offensive lineman? So, the first, one, <laughs> the first one, I agree. It's a soft penalty, but it is the letter of the law. The letter of the rule is if you pull anyone off a pile, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty. You know, and they implemented that rule because when you pull people off the pile, it just leads to high tempers. Mm -hmm. Like, it does. Like, and I'll be the first to say, if I'm on a pile and I'm getting ripped off from, like, behind and someone's pulling me off, I'm going to be angry. And I'm going to turn around ready to fight. You know, so I, I understand that rule. So you, Turner just has to be smarter and understand that rule. You know, that's an understanding thing. The second one, on the other hand, you can't punch people in the face. <laughs> you just can't. Now, I love the finish, and I love the effort. And I love that when you get a guy on the ground, yeah, you absolutely let him know about it. And you put all 300-plus pounds on top of him, and you lay there and go, yeah, I put you in the dirt. <laughs> but you can't just turn around and full-on smack him in the face, especially when the umpire is staring you in your eyeballs the play after you just got a personal foul. You know, so 
I don't love that it got called, but I totally agree with the call. Turner has to be smarter than that because he is a pivotal piece of this. You can't lose, and you're not going to win very many football games on your third left tackle. It's just not something that's going to happen. So he's got to play smarter. I appreciate the aggressiveness. you got to be a little bit of a dick to play O-line. So I appreciate that. you just got to be a little smarter. Do you worry that now he's going to be circled by referee oh, yeah. Cruz? Because that's, be we watched. saw that with Cam Jurgens. You're going to be watched like a hawk now. You now oh. have a. You now will be in those pre-ref meetings of like, hey, 69 got ejected last game for two prone sportsmanlike conduct penalties. So keep an eye on him. That's wow. just what it is. He's going to have to earn back his his trust, but he also can't lose his stinger. Like you know, I see players sometimes that come back from this that are playing cautiously because they don't want to get called. You know, you can still play violently and be a prick and throw dudes around within the confines of the rules of football. You just can't lose your stinger, and you just got to be really conscious of doing it in between the whistles and no extracurricular activities. You mentioned Hunter Anthony. Can we dive into him a little bit more and him coming in and what you saw specifically that you liked of how he came in and, and what he did on that line? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to anoint him king that he is the best right tackle of all time, but I thought he came in and played really well in the protection game. You know, I think that he was, his sets were much better. You know, the thing that gets Ben Hart in trouble is when he gets beat quickly. You know, the, the quick beat where it's three steps and he's around the edge or he's giving a pressure. You know, Hunter got beat at times, but it wasn't quick. You know, he was able to stay in front of guys for an extra second longer or whatever it was. And, you know, I saw him put some dudes on the ground a few times and legally let them know about it. And I love that. You know, I love that he was moving guys in the run game. I thought he was playing fast. And I think that he is right now an upgrade at right tackle. So I'd love to see sometimes guys that come in and play on a whim and they're just kind of thrown into the fire can excel i was one of those guys i i played well when i got thrown in but when you have a full week as the starter now and you have a full time of preparation it can change a little bit you know there's a lot more to think about instead of just kind of out there winging it so i'll be curious to see he started a lot of football games i mean he played for oklahoma state it's not like he's a first time starter so i thought his first live action reps were really good and i'm excited to see him keep growing off of those Hey, we have not talked about Trent Hickson much, but, you know, I got to tell you, when I went on your boy Gabe Eichert, who's an offensive lineman from Oklahoma, I went on his podcast leading into that week, and he said that Trent Hickson is Nebraska's best offensive lineman, but he was pretty impressed with so far how Trent stepped into the role of Cam Jurgen. So what has been your take on the way that he, Trent Hickson, has managed there at center? You know, he's obviously, he's not Cam Jurgens. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't have the athletic traits or any of that that he has, but he's been a very solid offensive lineman for us. You know, he has everyone lined up. He looks like he's got everything pointed out protection-wise and run-fit-wise, and who's the Mike, who's the Sam, where are we going in these combinations, you know? He seems to have all of that under control, which is 90% of the job at center. You know, 90% of the job is making sure the other four yahoos next to you know where they're going. So that's huge. And then he's been very good physically, too. You know, he's not road grading people and running guys down the sideline 50 yards like Cam did. You know, but I think overall he's been really serviceable. He's been really solid in protection. He's good on the double teams. He's not letting linebacker run through. So, yeah, I think he's been our most consistent offensive lineman for sure. 
and he's just going to continue to get better. I mean, that's what you need out of a, a first-year starter in that position. I've been really impressed with him and how he manages the sideline, too, and, and talking with, uh, you know, the quarterbacks. And then also, he's been a guy that's gone and talked to the defense. You know, hey, hey, we got you. You know, we need your defense. And so I've been really impressed with how he's been as a leader just overall on this football team, not even just his duties as a center. Okay, so how do you um, – what do you want to see this team do to build off of what they did uh, against Indiana going into Rutgers in a short week at that? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing is you got to get recovered. You know, it's amazing that one extra day of missing recovery actually is really hard. You know, I, I just had a rookie. My rookie just went, uh, he plays for the Bengals. He went from Sunday to a Thursday night game. And the number one I think I told him, I was like, recover, recover, recover. Like, usually these short weeks, a lot of it is just based off a war of attrition of who's the best back in shape to get ready for this football game, you know? So all these guys are going to have to up their recovery by one more day, which is important. But then the other thing is just getting a knowledge of the game plan, you know? We saw them play fast this week. Was that because it was simplified or is that because they had extra time? You know, so I'd like to see, again, get our scripted plays out there for the offense, have them throw those scripted plays down pat, but then be able to adjust and be able to kind of amoeba and be what you are because you're not going to have the extra days in the red zone or have the extra days to work on third down or short yardage. You know, you're just going to have to run your stuff and be good at what you run. So, you know, I'd like to see a good more execution, but just building the momentum and just coming out with your hair on fire. You know, sometimes after a big win like this, it can almost be a big breath of fresh air. Like, oh, we did it. Like, that can't be the mentality. The mentality is like, man, that was awesome. Let's do it again. You know, there can't be Newton's law, what comes up must come down. We, we don't have time to come down right now. You know, we have to keep climbing. We have to keep getting with momentum and going and going and going. So I want to see them come out and pick up right where they left off. You know, no lacks, no slow starts, none of that. You got to pick up right where you left off, put your foot on the gas, and just go from the start. This might be a stupid question, but, you know, we've seen the team, the offense come out and score every drive and, and the scripted plays, right? And so, and I, I, somebody asked us the other day, or I think they called into the show, can you script out, like, the first three drives, not no. just the first drive? No. You, you get about <laughs> 20 plays. You script out about 20 plays, um, you know, and usually you get through the first seven or eight, and then it starts, you know, they you start panicking and doing their own thing. But, you know... The first, the first 10 plays usually are your best scripted plays. You know, throughout the week, they look the best against certain looks. They're the run games that you feel the most comfortable with, the passing schemes against the coverage that they play the most. And, you know, you're, you're still feeling them out as much as they're feeling you out. You know, third downs, everything goes out the window. But, you know, it's really the scripted plays for first and second downs where you just script those first 20 plays and you want to get to those first 20 plays as quickly as possible. And then you circle back to those 20 plays. Like, hey, this one worked really well, let's run it again. Or this one didn't work, this one's out. You know, so those 20 plays get recirculated through the course of the game, but you want to get all of them out there as quickly as possible so you can get a look at them in real time against that defense, not the scout team, and then you just start ramping up the things that you did well. All right, so at Rutgers, and I know neither one of us have had a lot of time yet. We're taping this on Monday, so not a lot of time to really dive in. But Rutgers is at 3-2 and two on the year. They've lost back-to-back -back games where they're coming off a game. They got beat pretty badly by Ohio State. Iowa went up there and, and beat them, I think, 27-10 to 10 was the final on that one. But I guess what are you looking for out of Nebraska to go up to Rutgers? And this is the first true road game. I know they played Northwestern in Ireland, but talking about going to somebody's place and playing on the road and 
and I, I, I'm assuming maybe it'll be a little bit loud at Rutgers. I don't know what their their crowd is going to be like, but uh, what can't, are you looking? Can't for? imagine it being deafening in <laughs> okay. uh, Rutgers on a Friday night. So what are you looking for then out of this team to go on the road? Their first true road game of the year. You know, I love that it's not going to be some crazy hostile environment with a few guys that are fresh new starters. You know, if you hope that Turner doesn't get suspended for any longer, but you know, if he's not there, then you're going to have uh, Banks in there at left tackle. But, you know, the communication is always so important on the road, being able to have the silent count and everyone on the same page offensively, defensively, being able to get to your checks while the offense can make more checks easier because they're home. But, you know, I want to see them come out. Now, this is one of those games, too, that – if you don't bring your own energy on the road, this is not a stadium that they can they give you energy. And, I mean, you've been to a lot of big stadiums. You understand, like, when you're in a hostile environment, when you're in the Oklahomas, the Ohio States, the Wisconsin, and there's 60 to 80,000 people screaming, it's easy to feed off of their own energy from the hostile energy. Right. When you go on a stand and you go to a team that's – there might be – 10 to 15,000 people there and 10 of them are parents right and you're sitting there like okay this is kind of like if you don't bring your own energy it's kind of easy to just lull yourself to sleep you know I think back to last year's Minnesota game right sleepy Saturday morning in Minneapolis it was kind of cold 11 o'clock kick and it just seemed like there was no energy this team has to bring their own energy on the road especially as their first road test you know it's something that you have to learn how to do whether that's through pregame warm-up, it builds throughout the week. You have to make sure you bring your own energy. So those first, that first quarter is going to be really fun and interesting to watch to see which team brings their own energy because the home team usually has the crowd. But if you don't have a crazy crowd there either, it kind of just nullifies the whole thing. And it's really just what team has more energy than the other one. And, and I, I just don't even think it's so much about what Rutgers does. It's about what Nebraska does, especially at this point, and stacking together the positive things that they've done that they did last week and doing what they did that works and continuing to build off of that, right? It's, it's not even so much about what Rutgers is going to do, maybe a little bit, but, I mean, everybody's kind of different and going to throw a little something different, so it's more so about what is – Nebraska going to do to you know come out of, of the successful oh that's that's some great coach speak there Jessica <laughs> you know that is that is grade a head coach speak right there put her on the podium and let her do her thing you know um you know but you're absolutely right you know you're absolutely right this is a game where you're not gonna you, you shouldn't have to worry about the X's and the O's and out scheming Rutgers you know you want to go out there and say this is what we do well stop us and, you know, granted, I think that Rutgers and Nebraska right now, talent-wise, is not even close. But record-wise, we're pretty comparable. You know, so this is a game that you're going to have two teams that are really rallying for wins. You know, a team that's coming off a big win, a team that's coming off a big loss. And you, when you have a team that's coming off two big losses like this, you know, you want to put doubt in their mind quickly quickly put doubt in their mind of the, oh, boy, here we go again, versus the other way of you don't want to give them life. Don't allow them to have – oh, maybe we can pull this off, or maybe we can do this. Like, you got to smother this team right out the get. I mean, three and outs, go down, score, and just put your foot on the accelerator because these are the kind of teams that if you let them hang around, then they really get a chance to think we can do this still versus just going out and be like, nope, this game's over before it even begins. Okay, well, we'll look forward to it. Uh, I did, before we got out of here, want to get your thoughts about the news coming out of Wisconsin on Sunday. What are we doing? What, Wisconsinites, what are, what are we doing? You fired a coach, I think, 67 and 26 or something like that. You know, yep. and I'll tell you this. I saw an Instagram this morning from Braylon Allen, your stud, best, one of the best Ooh, running you, backs in the Big you Ten. You are also a only big 19, fan of. Yeah. You know, who is like anyone that wanted Coach Chris fired is not a part of this football team. That is a 
bold statement. You know, that is saying that you have the entire football team up in arms angry about this. You know, that's not something that's really easy to overcome. In the locker room, it also isn't something that's easy to overcome for a new coach that you do hire. So they've got a lot of issues going up there. That one surprised me. You know, that was one that I know they lost to Illinois, and, you know, it happens. It's Big Ten football. Guys are going to win and guys are going to lose. But I did not see that one coming. I think Chris is a great coach, and I don't think he'll be on the long – he won't be on the block for very long. Someone's going to snatch him up really quick as a head coach. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see how Wisconsin moves forward with that news being that, you know, Braley just came out and, and said that, and if players are not happy about it, how do they respond from it? Because I think on the flip side of that, I think Nebraska – I mean – against Oklahoma maybe not so well but I thought this week they came out and responded well to the changes they responded well to Bill Bush the defense did um, they love Bill Bush and so um, that's that's an intriguing storyline to watch for these teams that have made coaching changes midseason is how how does a team do moving forward and Mickey Joseph was a part of this when it happened at LSU and so was Bill Bush and so that I think maybe bodes well for at least this team, the fact that they've got two coaches, a defensive coordinator, head coach, interim, that have been through this. And LSU ended up having a decent year that year. I'm not saying that Nebraska is going to win out, but it can be a big storyline to, to follow here in terms of the Big Ten and how it shakes out of how Wisconsin responds and then how, how does Nebraska respond from here on out as well. Absolutely. I mean, and the Big Ten West is the biggest dumpster fire in conference football <laughs> right now. I mean, nobody is grabbing that. There's ripe an opportunity for everyone to go. I mean, I still think Minnesota is probably the best team in the West but they dropped one to Purdue. So, you know, it's wide open. So the team that can respond and rally the quickest here in October is going to give themselves a chance in November to make a run at this title. So it'll be really interesting to how that team responds. You know, you see one way that the Nebraska responded against Indiana. How Wisconsin responds next week will be really, really interesting and curious to see if that team goes out and plays for the kind of the FU to the front office, like, we can do this, or if they're kind of like, man, this isn't great, and they blunder. I mean, that's, that game is, if you're a betting person, stay as far away from that <laughs> Wisconsin game as possible because there is just no telling how that outcome will be. All right, anything that we missed? Wins are good. Wins are good, <laughs> Wins are Jessica. great. I'm more excited to do these when we win. That's what that's Your what energy is and definitely higher. Yeah, my, my, my whole mood is higher. My <laughs> wife doesn't hate me because I mope around on a Saturday evening after we get beat. So. You even got your hair cut for I this know. episode it's good. today. Things are good. The sun came up. It's a good day. Now let's just keep stacking good days back together. Love it. Love it. Keep stacking days. All right. That is Jeremiah Searles. I'm Jessica Hootie here on the Sideline Slice presented by Valentino's Pizza. And we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Go Big Red. Family traditions mean great food. With treasured Italian family recipes passed down for generations, Valentino's has become Nebraska's classic Italian tradition for 65 years.